1: Hey everyone, it's Yas here and I'm calling today with a little favour to ask. Over the recent weeks and months I've had loads of you get in touch with some great questions and today I'm going to be trying something new with the show. I'm trialling a QA and a segment where I'll be joined by co-host and elite coach educator Gerard Jones. Now these are discussions which are going to be taking place every Sunday evening at 7.30 GMT live on Twitter space if you wanted to get involved directly. Otherwise I'll be releasing them here every Wednesday on the Coaches Network podcast. So for today's format slightly different and for around about 30 minutes each discussion will be dedicated to a question that has been sent in where myself and Joa will be going into some real depth and sharing our views and opinions on the topic in order to leave you with some key takeaways to consider in your own environments. So the favour I'm asking for today guys is if you could let me know your thoughts on the new format and you can do this by getting in touch on Twitter at TheCoachesNet. Once again that is at TheCoachesNet and of course if you have a question feel free to send that in too. Hope you enjoy the new format.
0: The Coaches Network, bringing the game together.
1: Hey guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast. A podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent and personal development. My name's Coach Yas and I'm a UEFA A-licensed football coach, coach developer and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Right, Joe, let's get cracking, man. Again, welcome everyone to tonight's conversation. Myself and at are back. Um, topic is dealing with parents. I think the question itself that was put to me was, you know, how can you deal with parents more effectively? And I think one of the key things that I've hopefully looked to do is not so much take the question verbatim, but reflect on it in a different way in- more specifically, ask how can we become more collaborative and involve the parents rather than about dealing with parents. I think it gives quite a bit negative connotations, um, and I think we've in a lots of in a lot of cases. Certainly, from my own experience, I've never actually had a situation where I've come up against a parent or a set of parents that have necessarily bad intentions, but maybe just not as you know aware of their actions, or maybe misinformed or miseducated around how to best support their children in their footballing journeys or in sports in general. So, Joe, I'll open the question to you to start with, man. Dealing with parents, what's your views on it? What are your experiences, both positive and negative?
2: I think you've opened it up really, really well, to be honest, because it's something that, again, we could probably do more on it on some of the coach education courses that people have to go through. But, effectively, it's a huge part of the game, you know, because I know... With all this one in the world, people will, uh, sh- uh, you know, make the assumption that they know that child better than anybody. And maybe in some cases they do, but I'd, li- I'd like to think that, you know, it's, it's very easy to have a kid for 90 minutes or a short period of time and then hand them back. You know, you're not having to put that kid to bed, put food in the belly, deal with the tantrums. You've not raised that kid, you know. that I'd like to think that parents know that child really well. Um, they'll definitely see a lot more of them. And I think, you know, it's it's a huge part of the game, that significant person in the life. How can we find ways to engage with them? So, you know, my experiences have always been, for sure, you know, it's different in the US to the UK, as an example, because, you know, in the US, whether you're at grassroots level or even in some of the, the professional game and the, the uh, academy game, the elite level, You know, it is a a different market. The parents are a hell of a lot more competitive and aggressive. Um, You know, the market's pay to play. And because of that, parents... And you're often dealing with a lot of highly educated type A. You know, some of them are CEOs of their own businesses. They're very intelligent people, doctors, whatever it may be. And they've got an opinion and some aren't always that well-informed. But they're making decisions where they want to place their child and they control that journey, you know, a lot more now. And I think we've seen this even in in England within the academy system, where, you know, years ago parents might have been maybe fearful of saying certain things or whatever. You know, we've got a few people looking at the listening group now who work in the Academy game. So it'd be great to tap into their insight as well on this because the thing that I've seen is that Parents now don't think twice about emailing the head of coaching, you know, to make a complaint about academy coach. If their child didn't start, all of a sudden that's a problem. Does that mean I'm going to pull my kid from this club? I want to go to somewhere else. Or they'll play the game a little bit and they'll create sort of drama. And, you know, and certainly when it gets to those sort of discussions of retain or release. And it's the same in the US when it's coming to tryouts, the silly season. It's always the same sort of things, and you're having to navigate through the politics. And there's maybe we'll go into some of that, you know, some of the dark that you can have. But I want to keep it positive in the sense of, you know, I think there's sort of a couple of strategies that I'd love to deep dive into today, which is all comes down to communication. How can you find ways to really engage with versus. I hear a lot about like parent education, and I think education is a big part for sure. And we do a lot where we do like workshops and different seminars, and we'll bring people in and we'll involve them. But I think a, a huge part is engagement because it's their child you're dealing with. So how can you find ways to communicate with them and inform them on what it is you're doing and why? What's the relevance to their kid? And find ways to get them involved in that process as well in that journey. So to start off with, where we can unpack it is i would say i always talk about sort of concise consistent and clear communication concise consistent and clear communication because often a lot of the communication parents get is late from my experience of working in different clubs at many different levels it's often ambiguous we'll say we're doing one thing but then we'll do the other or we'll change and i know that's because of the nature of you know, football and our beast, that things can change. But again, it's just being clear and concise, not war and peace, but concise in your information and when you share it, but really clear and and making sure that anything we put on a PowerPoint slide, because I've seen people fall into that trap where they've said it, but then they haven't done it. You know, I've got loads of examples of that where it's at academy level and academy manager has said, yeah, every kid in this club gets an individual development plan. But then there was kids in the pre-academy that didn't, as an example. So parents are like, well, you said, because I was at the meeting, you know. So you've got to make sure that whatever you say, you, you do, you know, because they will hold you accountable to it. If you're saying, we believe in 50% playing time, well, what does that actually look like? And again, that guy, because I would certainly do it, will be there watching their kids and I'll be going, right, William played six minutes, because i am stopped watching it, played six minutes in this position, and then he, he never played again. For He was sat on the bench for another 12 or 15 minutes, and then came on again in another position, played whatever minutes. He hasn't got the minutes. But you're saying to me that he gets 50% game time. So, you know, the will hold you accountable. So, just making sure that anything you say you're going to do, you do. Being really concise in your information, not waffling. Consistent. So consistency, I think, is a key because that's how you build trust and it's a two-way street. And then I think, you know, the other thing I'd love to go into, sorry if I'm giving loads of information at once, we'll we'll unpack it. But there's a big thing we talk about a lot, which is we're always informing them. We'll do parent meetings. We've actually got parent meetings today where we're doing virtually, but via Zoom. So we're telling them information about You know, for tonight, for example, we're giving them the practice schedule. We're giving them uh, information on what tournaments we're going to be playing in, what the games program looks like, why we've designed it the way we have, some of the stuff around how we're going to be coaching, all this type of stuff we're going to go into information on. That's informing. But how can we find ways to inspire and involve? So I always talk about those three I's of informing, inspiring and involve and really find ways to again involve the parents and we can go into examples later you know I've got loads of examples, I'm sure you have as well and everyone listening of what are some of the different ways we can involve the parents you know in terms of roles and tasks and so on and what are some of the ways that we can inspire them uh, and I think that's where we can start to make it a positive engagement versus us against them and I think Culturally, that's what happens a lot. I've gone into a lot of academies. I'm sure Tony will agree, and, and many others who are listening. Where I've, I, I remember years ago, one of the I won't say the club, but there's a Cat One Academy, quite famous. And the club, the the senior member of staff, the management team were aggressive towards parents, and it was almost like, look, we just want you to drop your kid off, off type of thing. Pardon my French, which I think is wrong. You know, and people have different opinions on that. But, again, we've got to find ways. It can't be us against them. It's got to be actually they're having an influence. You know, they might not agree with everything we're doing and we might not agree with everything they're doing. But how can we work together so that we're going on this journey and we're creating a great experience for the child? That's what's important. And we have to work together. So, yeah, those would be my couple of things just to open it up.
1: Yeah, definitely. There's a lot in there. There's a, there's a massive amount in there. And I think, you know, just, just for me to kind of really just, if I can, maybe try and just summarize what you've said in really three key words for me. And that's clarity, collaboration, and the word that you use there, involvement. You know, involve is what you said. But I think, you know, there's some there's some great stuff in there. And I think, first of all, we just want to really start to unpack that. And I think it's important just to highlight, you know, right at the top of the conversation I started by saying that you know, I don't think I've ever met a parent not in my own experiences anyway where they've actually been ill-intended and had bad intentions for the for the, for the journey of their, of their child whether that be you know in, in performance football whether that be in recreational football, whatever aspect of the game you're working in So I think that's the first thing that kind of needs to be highlighted and uh, a lot of uh, what, you know just want to share a, 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 an experience of mine in fact when I, when I went into a club one time and it kind of really just shaped my whole thinking around this whole aspect of think whether it be working with other coaches whether we working out with, with players or whether we're working with you know the wider networks in terms of parents and whoever else is involved is that you know we're there to be coaches uh, we're considered quote unquote as experts in the field of coaching but we need to not we need to not you know forget the fact that these these guys that we're referring to as parents and obviously you know the guardians and whoever whoever is supporting these children in these, in these environments, they were probably considered experts in those people. They know the child, they know the athlete, they know the person, they know what their week's been like, and so much power can come from working with them rather than working away from them. Um, and I say away from them because, like you said, right at the end of what you what you touched on, major on is. You do get clubs where parents come in and, and some clubs will literally want to have an approach where it's right, drop your kid off, get out and then come and pick them up at 8 o'clock. Some clubs don't even let the parents stay and watch the players train. So, I mean, it, there's so many different ways that you know, we can kind of explore that. But first of all, it's that collaboration piece. And, you know, you talk you know, about having a parents evening tonight at, your, at the club you're working with. And it's interesting because I've recently launched a new, a new club myself in, in, the, in the grassroots community in the, in the local area. And put together like a philosophy document. We started sharing with some of the parents and it was like, oh, it'd be great if we can have a presentation. And so I said, yeah, it, it would be great. Um, once everything settles down, we should definitely do that. And I think clubs should really take a page out of that book and, and really involving the parents and educating the parents on what the child is actually going to be doing in the environment. It's not just, right, you're coming over to whoever it is, Arsenal, Tottenham, whoever the, whoever the club may be, or even if you're grassroots FC, you're like, and you just drop off and go, no, those parents could be the key to unlocking so much potential, just by having them involved. In quite often, it's just sharing some insight. You know, even if it's little things like popping over to the parents at the end of the session, just say, "This is what we covered in today's session, and there were some really key things that came up." You know, even if it's providing some sort of a, a glossary of terms or definitions of, of of phrases and and terms that are used in the environment to support the parents, like you know what parents. If you want to support a match there, these are the types of things that we're looking, look, we're looking to encourage the players to um, think about, whether that be phrases, terms, you know, in, in relation to the philosophy, in relation to mindset, in relation to just values and principles of the environment. Here's some words for you to kind of maybe share, and here's some, even some questions to kind of delve deeper onto on the on, on trip over or on your way into the game. So just, just a few things there, you know. I mean, feel free to jump on any one of those, Gerard, but maybe just some experiences around some of those things.
2: Yeah, I actually think you've you've summarised the message really well, and even just adding on to that around the communication piece, because often a lot of parents we, we we come into those battles where we're working against them, and you know we don't want them to coach from the sideline. Definitely, we don't want them to joystick. We don't, as an example, you know, during match days, we don't want them to be shouting instructions certainly to the player on the ball or at all. And we want them to be encouraging and all this type of stuff. But then for the parent, and I'm a parent myself, but two kids like you, and I'd be thinking, yeah, but what can I say? So you tell me what I can't say, but what can I say? And for a lot of these guys and girls, they don't know what they can say. So they don't want to be there silent, but they also can see that their child might be struggling in certain things or the team or whatever. And that, you know, something just sparked in my brain was when you talked about like a glossary of terms and the, the vocab, like the vocabulary. We actually did the same thing. We shared with them, and I'll be doing this with Sport in Kansas City. We'll be sharing with our players and the families what we mean when we say certain terms and certain words, because a lot of the time they don't have a clue what we're talking about. So it's very difficult. But how powerful is that? That if they're, and you can do workshops on this, if they're more engaged and informed, and they understand, like, if we're saying breaking the line, breaking lines, what does that actually mean? Or if we're saying play around, or if we're saying whatever it is, they can have those conversations with the child in the car ride to the game, you know, or even on the way back home from practice. So they, because they want to be involved, they want to help. We know that the parents are going to give feedback to their kid regardless, right? We can agree that. And more often than not, And I'll give an example of um, involving the parents. One of the players I had at academy level, I always talk about this example. Years ago, this was uh, one of the last academies I worked in in the UK. I was under 14 at the time. I was doing my advanced youth award and it got me thinking about different things. And anyway, this guy, it was a bit of a nightmare as a dad. And he would put a lot of unnecessary pressure on his son, certainly in that car ride to and from games and I knew that in the car ride home and I've been in some of them where he's saying hey don't pass to him or when you get the ball you shouldn't be your coach is saying this but no you shouldn't be doing that he's wrong you need to be doing this and you you know you need to score X amount of goals and if you do that I'll reward you with this whether it's money whatever it You know, is I'll buy a pair of boots or I don't know so you've got all that that you're fighting against haven't you right as an example and I thought to myself well This guy's going to be in the car ride home anyway, telling his kid, don't listen to coach Yaz. And by the way, you should have been taking shots there. I don't know why he's wanting you to pass there. and Why are you passing back to the keeper? No, sod that. You need to be getting the ball down. He's going to anyway. So what we can do is we can try and influence that conversation. So it's less about don't do this and don't pass to so-and-so because I don't like that guy and all this because you're making him look better. But what it could be is if we're saying to him... You know, we're working with uh, Tom today. And at the minute, we're trying to look at how many times he can track his runner. If you could, just have a note at how many times you recognize. Maybe in the first two quarters, when, we lo- when we're out of possession, does he track back? Does he recognize when to track his runner, when he doesn't? And actually make sure, check for understanding. Does he know what we're talking about? So make sure that we're, we're looking at the same thing here. As an example, it could be how many times he plays forward and where he plays forward into or onto or whatever. So you've gone through it, you've explained it, maybe showed a couple of examples, whatever it may be. You've got uh, clarity with the parent. He can then, during the game, be analysing that for you. He's going to watch his kid anyway. Like, we're trying to see everything in the game, nothing. So we're trying to train coaches to become really purposeful in their observation. But the reality is, is that they're only looking at one thing, and that's their kid. They're not thinking about... Substitute strategies, <laughs> game time, performance clocks—you know, individual objectives. Whether the the head of coaching is watching or not, they've not got all that madness going on. They're just there to watch Tom, so they'll probably see more of Tom's individual performance than we perhaps will, because we're looking at the back four, we're looking at the unit, we're we're trying to see other things. So tap into what they're seeing. And it might be that he's saying to you, yeah, actually, I saw that he tracked his runner three or four times, And but those times where he wasn't, I can see what you're saying now, like he's running off him. And now in the car ride home, and this happened, by the way, he was, and I've made up, a, it wasn't Tom, I've just used that as a pseudonym, but he spoke to Tom and he said to him, oh, by the way, you know, really enjoyed watching you today, like especially in the second half, you were, you literally, every time that guy didn't get past you, you were tracked to him or whatever it may be, or it was interceptions, and then the dad gave him like a challenge: how many interceptions can you make in the first five minutes? He ended up making six, and it was like, can you do that? So that now that created that conversation on the way home. So I just be really powerful, and he's going to give feedback to his son regardless, whether the coaching is good or bad. But if we can find a way to engage with him, the better. And then I think, like some of the stuff we're going to go through tonight, we're going to talk about um, our club vision. What's our vision? What's our strategy? We're going to let them know uh, the agenda and obviously who we are, how we coach, how we're going to like the type of players that we're looking for, the qualities of a player, like the key qualities of a of a player that we want in sporting, and how we're going to train it. Um, key information that they need to know with respect to, you know, the games program, practice schedule, tournaments, all that type of thing that we're going to do. And then we're going to let them know uh, what our expectations are then. We're actually going to do a fun exercise where we're sharing our values and then talking about ways that we can actually um, measure and demonstrate our values. So it's understanding what are our expectations of them, whether it's on a game day, whether it's a practice, wherever it may be. But equally, what are their expectations of us? And I always like to start with that one first. I want to know, what do the parents expect from me as the director of coaching or from the coaches or whatever it may be? Because they might say stuff that we're not necessarily aware of and we can go, all right, they're expected to do that, but that's not part of the deal. Or it might be, actually, that's a really good idea. So I like these meetings to be really collaborative. I think we should be doing less talking and more listening we can share a couple and we've only got a few handful of slides but it's going to be a very interactive discussion where I I want them to be doing a lot of talking and a lot of sharing and we're fact-finding and discovering and then we're able to respond because of that informally Um, and I think that comes back to that communication piece where we're sort of living and breathing the values ourselves and saying, hey, we're actually working with you here. We we see this as part of our family and then, um, yeah, there's probably a lot there. I know there's a couple of people who want to speak, and then I've got a couple of other stuff I can share after around inspire, involve, and inform. But maybe I mean, we just wrestle with that now, Yasin. See, yeah,
1: answer, answer any questions. I think it definitely is a lot, in you know, there just a couple again key words that really just jump out to me as you're speaking there, you know, and it's you know that that word clarity comes up again. You know, clarity I think is so key. And I think it's, in terms of that that piece about managing expectations, you need to understand what parents' expectations are as well as the players. That's what do it. they want from us as coaches and you know, whether that be a director of coaching, whether be a Head of coaching, or be individual coaches, whatever whatever your role is in that process, you know what what, what is the expectation? Because that quite often is where the breakdown is for a lot of for a lot of people. It's they've got one they've got one perception of not just what they expect from the coaches, but even what coaching even looks like as a whole. And I think that that's another another challenge that I've wrestled with in the past. Where you know, I'd say that my my approach to coaching is not as traditional. When you're, you know, a lot of stop, stand, still, and a lot of guy, you know, a lot. There's a lot more, you know, Q and A and guided discovery around the way I work. And I've actually had situations where parents come to me, sorry, you know, it's, it's good. They seem to be enjoyed, But when are you going to start coaching? It's like, well, that, that, that <laughs> wasn't my openness for me too. And it's like, well, yeah, you, you know, I think that, that that's, that's part of it. Just really establishing what does coaching even look like for the parents, because you know, a lot of these parents are going to be given opinions and instructions and guidance based on their own interactions. Their own experiences and their own perceptions of what coaching actually looks like as a whole. So I think that's that's the fir- first kind of thing, just to kind of summarize what you said there and just add on to that as well. But before before I continue, guys, you know, it's just it's great to see so many people in the room. Um, you are tuned into a weekly space that is put on by myself and Gerard, um, both of us coach developers, and just really keen to network and help each other grow. And you know, hopefully, you lot can be part of that too and and help us grow that network. And, you know, just to take a brief second, if you haven't already, make sure you're following myself and Gerard. Um, share this space, let people know that you're, you're involved and get people involved in the conversation too. Um, that would be amazing. But again, just a no, couple of things just to add on to what you said there, John. Sorry, go on.
2: No, I was going to say, like, what you just said there, it, it happens and it, it happened with me. where We, had, um, we hadn't done this sort of And then we're... and they were like, yeah, but all you ever do is just scrimmage and the play games and I don't see any coaching like that. I don't see any ladders. I don't see any of this. I don't see any of that. And we end up losing um, some of our population because the parents weren't, they didn't necessarily agree with what we were doing and they didn't understand why we were doing what we were doing. This is going back several years ago and I remember it now. So when you said that, it made me laugh because even now when we do that expectation we're still always having to share with them, hey, this is... Because they want to know what you just said is what they think good coaching looks like. So if one of our coaches is quiet on the side, are they assuming that he's not coaching just because he's not saying anything? And you've got to have those conversations with them and let them know because their expectations might be that we have to be like screaming and shouting from the sideline. We've got to put them in all these drills and we have to do X, Y, Z. You know, I've had clubs parents where I coached at Cat 3 level in England and I've had parents come up to me and go this isn't what we expected, they should be training more and one guy I always remember it because he used to coach this uh, one his son one to one privately, I was at Rochdale, his son was at Bradford and he ended up taking his son from Bradford to Chef Wednesday just because he could get more during the week and the training that they were doing at Wednesday was different to what they were doing at Bradford at the time so he wasn't happy and he literally just pulled his kid out, asked for a request, put in a complaint because they wouldn't do it, took it to the EFL, got a request. How he got it, I don't know. He's got the request in without compensation. And then he took him to Chef Wednesday in the for Wednesday. So it's all those things. But again, if the communication had been whatever from the start, maybe we could have avoided some of those issues or maybe not. I don't know. But yeah, what you said, that it just resonated with me.
1: No, definitely. I think it's really important for coaches to appreciate and understand that aspect of things as well. And also just, you know, for us as coaches to really establish for ourselves, well, what, what do we actually consider coaching to look like? And have we have we been able to articulate that for ourselves before we can even share those messages with parents or whoever else might be interested or might need to know about it? But um, just a couple of other things, really, just to kind of you know, really kind of encapsulate what you said there. In that, um, just looking at Really, it's an investment. You know, we're making an investment in these players, and you know, we, the amount of time that we, we we're spending on planning and preparing our sessions. But you know, the bottom line is we're not. We're not. It's interesting. This is one. This is one that really kind of hit me and opened my eyes a little bit. We're not coaching footballers. We're coaching people who are playing football, right? So we need to know about the person as often and as 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 often as and in, as in depth as possible that we get we possibly can, and. You know that investment, it will just be a compounding interest over time, and not only will it be a compounding interest, the compounding interest will then have a compounding impact, not just in terms of what the player is able to do on the pitch, but what the person is able to do off the pitch too, and their wider, you know, their wider kind of their life. You know what I mean? Because they they come into our environment, they might have, you know, if we're lucky, we might have ninety minutes with them a week. If we're extremely lucky, we might have two sets of ninety minutes, or maybe three plus a game, if you like. So. If you compare that to the amount of time they're actually spending in each of their weeks, we're a very, very small portion of that if we're even 5% of that, if you like. So I think it's really important to see, right, how can we get the people around them more invested? How can we become more invested to get that support from the people around them to, like you said, educate them, support them, and potentially in some ways kind of guide and direct some of the conversation that's happening outside of the environment or the interaction that's taking place away from the environment that we're in with them. So whether that is supporting the parents in a better understanding of how they maybe can articulate their questions or their, their feedback with the individual, that they you know, that's the same question, whether that be a young boy or young girl, whether that's um, looking at, right, giving the parents, a, you know, a task just to, to, you know, that might be linked to the individual development plans for clubs that may be doing that sort of stuff with their players, right? Is there a specific task that we know that can link directly to this target that this player's got? So you mentioned the idea of interception, right? Mom, Dad, can you pay attention to how many interceptions, um, you know, little James, uh, managed to complete in this, in this, in this first period of, of the game, right? At the end of that, it might be right now. Mom and Dad, can we now, you know, here's some questions I want you to maybe think about asking James. Um, it'd be really interesting to see what his views were and what his responses were. It might be right questions such as, right, James, when you got those, when you got those interceptions, what were some of the considerations you were making to put yourself in a position to do that? Just you know, just to kind of really evolve their thinking and really expand on checking the understanding and testing the understanding and knowledge of the players themselves. So I mean, there's there's honestly there's so much in there, and we could probably spend a whole hour just talking about that aspect alone. Um, but I am conscious that there's people in the room you know with different experiences, and you know, I'm really keen to kind of get some listeners involved and get some questions directly to us, and even just some experience to share with us. So yeah, if anyone's got anything, and just on that, you know, guys, if you can just if you haven't already take a moment to just follow myself and uh, coach Gerard here so that we can try to continue to just, you know, grow this network, continue learning together, growing together and, you know, just getting better at what we do. Got our first one here, Nick. Good evening, man. How are you? Evening, yes. Evening, Gerard. Good. All right, fellas. Very hey, well, good evening. evening. Um, maybe, good. You know, just, give a, just give a brief insight maybe around the type of environment you're in just so that everyone's aware and keep, just give it a bit more context and then we'll go from there man.
3: Um yeah so my name's Nick. I I'm, I'm currently working at West Ham United Women's Youth Academy. Um I oversee I oversee the pathway from under sixteens down to under eights. Um we've got a four tier pathway with uh four teams in each um and we've just started a, a really young a younger group as well. So Plenty of players just finished their trial process so we've had just under 700 girls trialing over the last four weekends so today's my first Sunday off for 5 weeks so <laughs> well I'm <enjoying> done me joining it we <laughs> join 7 days a week for 5 weeks has been a, it's been a tough one but it was it's worth it it's worth it this is um it's a bit of a topic that really interests me um before before working with the with the women's youth academy I'd spent 15 years in grassroots and I could probably we could probably share, share horror stories and discuss stuff about these parents did this, and then there's some, you know, some some howlers probably, and some funny stories along the way too. But there was a there was a stage during that during my journey, really, I suppose, that I had the epiphany that that the parents were an untapped resource, and rather than trying to battle against like 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 you said, the right at the beginning about dealing with parents, it's got to be working with the parents. So our contact contact time with those, especially the girls, even in the academy, the actual contact time with them might be five and a half hours a week. I've got with them. Obviously, those parents are with those 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 players for a lot lot longer. Um, so how can I how can I use that resource? Use those parents. How can I sort of use them in a way that might help us engage and embed and um, support? The things that we're trying to trying to do, so little things like I found along the way were to include the parents in your pre-match briefing. So I know lots of places will take their players away from the parents, opposite side of the pitch, as far as way as they can, like it's a secret, like no one's allowed to know what you're talking about, what your game plan is. Well, let's um let's include them because if 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 you're if you're indirectly talking to the parents through your team talk using the right terminology, using the, the, the formation you're going to use, the specific outcomes you're going to you'd be looking at. You might have some primary players you're working with for that time, making that really clear and obvious that those parents are on board from the start. So as much as we don't want them to coach and as much as we don't, I say we don't allow them to coach or try to prevent it, they will. They-
0: Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue all in the Kroger app.
3: if you can get them on board so they're coaching along a similar framework as as you you're almost you're almost sort of adapting a an ass, sort of a um an assistant coach role for the parents not that you'd ever tell them that because they would take that and run a 100 miles an hour however if you're trying to get a, a specific focus for that for that game or for that training session um as it may be that that you've also you all of a sudden you've got a You've got a sideline full of allies instead of a sideline full of um, barriers to overcome. So just little things like that. Um, if you're able to, your halftime team talk in front of the parents. Um, again, really powerful, I found. Um, and I think the, 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 most, um, the most important one would be your post-match briefing. Um, so you, you could have had players that you've been working with for the last three or four weeks, really building their confidence, you know, it could have been something really specific that you was looking for and and have really grasped it and have got it during that game and you think, wow, we've cracked it. We've actually we've, we've got it. That parent might not know that and the second they get in the car and the parent starts to berate them, why did you pass then? You should have shot then. Why? All of a sudden, all your hard work has just gone through the floor. That player's confidence is is shattered. There's a conflict there. Who do I listen to? Do I listen to coach? Do I listen to some of my mum or my dad? Um, so, those post-match ones are really powerful because, again, you could you could talk to the parents indirectly through your post-match debrief, um, outlining what went really well. You know, we know that this didn't work well. However, we're gonna we're gonna address it by doing this and this. On the way home, I want everyone to think about two things. You know, what did you do well, and what did someone else do well? Something like that. So you're almost preempting that drive home conversation. So can you steer that drive home conversation into a productive conversation, rather into that "you should have, why didn't you" conversation? Which I hold my hands up as a as a footballing parent before I started coaching, I've done, I've done, and I think a part of that epiphany for me was I think my oldest son, who's now twenty five, when when he was about eight or nine, I remember coming home from a game and and I must have been saying, you this, you know. Picking apart his performance, I wasn't even coaching at the time. I was, I was just a, a parent, and I remember I came in, we came home, and his first move was to go upstairs and slam the door. And I thought, what was that all about? And I went and asked him, and he said it's because all you did was talk about the game. And then I think that was the light bulb moment for me. Was like, okay, wow. So that that's how powerful, and that's without even realizing. That's that's the impact that we can have on our children, players, you know, and I think that's the important thing, remembering that they are those young people, and not just a player. So, per, play, person first, player second. But this is a really it fascinating this topic. I'm sorry if I'm going to go on a bit, a bit too much, but um, I think just I think for for those listening, it might be might be sort of where I was. It's it's never too late to start. You can start to embedding those expectations and building boundaries from the start. Um, and like Gerard said, it's that consistency of communication, regular. And it doesn't always have to be information-based. It could be anything. It could just be general chat about football. It could be... We do lots of stuff with our girls where we'll do lots of stuff talking about girls. If you put ITV on now, you know, England's on. I want I want everyone to watch someone that plays in their position. Or it could be something really basic. Girl, just that, you know... Um, only two weeks left to the Euro starts, or just something like light communication. Just keeps you in touch with that, with that group, and it's almost passing information through the parents to the players. Obviously, through WhatsApp groups, there's no players on there; it's just parents. So you're almost drip feeding again information and ideas and stuff through the parents to the to the players. But I think I'll stop there. Yes, otherwise I might I might go on as I say. It's a, it's a it's a
2: topic close to my heart. This one. I think what you've said there is top class. Everything, especially with the bit around having them being able to listen in to some of the key communication that you're doing at the end, I would do exactly the same. Um, so, yeah,
1: love it. I think everything you've said there, I agree with. No, definitely, Nick. I think it's some powerful stuff. And I think the first piece around, you know, like Joe just you know, kind of elaborated on a little bit, is having the parents in and around those conversations. And I think... <laughs> Like you said, you're never going to stop the parents from coaching. Again, you can look at that from a different perspective and identify what coaching is. Again, you know, if the more they buy into the philosophy, the more they understand the philosophy of the way that you want to work and how you want to do things, the more likely is it, more likely if it is apologies that they can start to embed some of the similar values and and, and ways of working. So if that is right, do you know what, parents, this is what coaching looks like in this environment. We're going to be a bit more laid back in the sense that you going to do a lot of observation. That's what I think. One thing that coaches often forget, in my in my experience, and even parents don't even identify that, actually, a large part of coaching is observation. So sometimes it's okay for the coach to just stand back and just watch what's happening. And you know, Gerald, you've mentioned this a few times in your in, you know, and in in relaying some of the conversations you had with the likes of Alex, Alex Ingoldkop. In that, is it going to help or hinder? I'm about to say something and I think that's a really powerful message for coaches to kind of take on board and consider as well is what you're about to say gonna help or hinder. And I think if we can get that message across to some of the parents too, that can just be phenomenally impactful. So I think there's some great stuff in there, Nick, and I and I think you know the real key piece of what you've said there, Nick, is that I think really everyone should take on board is it's never too late to start. And that's what this conversation is all about. And you know, and, and every single week, when myself and Joe I do get here in these conversations, it is hopefully just about you know igniting that spark um, towards a new way of working. You know, of growing. You know, when, when, when none of us have completed this. It's not. It's not. It's not a game. It's not. You know, it's not Grand Theft Auto. It's not FIFA Ultimate Teams or whatever you want to call it. It is an ongoing process that you know, if you like, can never be completed. But, what we want to do is get closer and closer and closer, just to having as much impact as possible, where we can see as much growth as possible. So, on that note, guys, if you haven't already, make sure you're following us. Make sure you're here every week with us. For some great conversations, some had some fascinating conversations so far in the last few weeks and months, and we hope to continue that each week. And we want you guys to be a part of it. So, make sure you're following us. Share this space with other people. Get involved. If you've got any questions that you'd like or topics you'd like to hear discussed on on the show please do let us know as well. Um, But on that note, I'm going to bring on the next guy. Johnny, how are you, man?
4: Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Um, Listen, I I don't disagree with anything that's been said. um, But those of you that know me will know that there's a book coming. There's a kind of a real-world situation and this a group of coaches talking on spaces or talking in a room where we, we kind of, we want this ideal world scenario and the real world scenario is a little bit different. And I think that there's a couple of points that, that that I'd want to make would be, first of all, if you're a, prof- what I would class as a professional coach, uh, you know, I've worked in academy of football. I've been paid to coach football now for over 20 years. Um, when you're a professional coach it's a lot harder to deal with parents in an academy environment um and part of that is because everybody watches football on tv everybody thinks they are experts at football so if you if they don't agree with what you're doing or saying or they don't like the result of a particular game they'll they'll come after you as a coach so you have to be really careful with how you do communicate with them. We've tried to have things like uh we called it parents' voice where we would take uh, a volunteer parent from each age group they'd be invited into academy management meetings we'd have specific uh, parent meetings on a monthly or a bimonthly uh, basis with a with a fixed agenda. Um, it's so difficult to get volunteers to, to be the spokesman for a group of parents. And quite often the parents that give you the most problems are the ones that won't volunteer. Um, that would be sort of the, the first thing I'm looking at. The second sort of thing that I'd like to mention is if you're, um, if you're a grassroots coach, so you're coaching, you got into coaching because your kid plays um a lot of what goes on outside of football is is that social side of it, so you're coaching you're not just your son but your mate's son, so again, I can see whether there there'd be difficulties um you know in terms of whether you're a club that has equal game time policy or not um you know how do you deal with that? Do they take it personally um when you criticize or when you Put on a certain coaching session, and it doesn't involve their son as much as some other kids. There's you have to be, you have to be a lot more than a football coach. You you you've, you have got to be a bit of a diplomat um, with with parents. Um, and then that sort of the last little bit on, that that I'll mention on this would be um, that. I am not a big fan. I'm not a big advocate of, um, certainly in the academy football, of parents coaching their kids. I think that it puts um, a massive amount of pressure on on both parties. And it, it can lead to s- some less than professional behaviour at times. So, um, yeah, they're just, you know, I, I, I get... Uh, I was one, like Gerard mentioned earlier on, when I first started uh, coaching in football, it, there was a, you know, don't build a relationship with the parents. Don't let them get too close. Try and keep them on the back foot. Um, but obviously, like a lot of other things, for me, that's changed over the years. Uh, I still won't have um, what, personal relationships with uh, players' parents but I don't mind having a professional one as long as it's kept professional on both sides.
1: I think you're spot on there, Tony. I think it's interesting. I was having the same conversation with um, another coach yesterday. uh, Yes, we can build build attachments. We can build attachments to the players and the parents, but it's important to maintain the professional side of it because, you know, at some point, you're going to... You're undoubtedly going to do something that's not going to sit sit well with them, and that's where they have to maintain the fact that actually you're a coach, and not not a friend. Um, and I think, yeah, you know, it kind of kind of ties into the one one aspect of the coaching I also talk about is, is I don't necessarily agree with parents being coached to their own children either. Um, so I, de- I definitely think there's some, there's some key bits in that. I think one thing to take away from us, if you are going to look to develop a relationship with the parents that you're working with or the parents of the children that you're coaching. Then really identify for yourself what is that line. What are, you know? What are the things that you're willing to accept? What are the things that you're not willing to accept as part of that relationship? But also recognizing you know, a key point that Gerard made it earlier with that. What are their expectations? Do they understand what the relationship um, boundaries are? If you like, you know, what 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 are they hoping to have an involvement in? What are they what are they clear that they can't have an involvement in? If you like, and I think that's a, a really key piece. Here, so thank you for sharing, that, Tony.
2: I'm not sure if you've got anything to add to that, John, before we bring on the next guest. No, I think what Tony shared is, is spot on, really. Certainly, I mean, obviously, I've never had to coach my son because my kids are too young. I don't know if I ever would. I think I agree with Tony on that one. That I've seen so many coaches do it in the in the pro game in England at academy level. Um, one guy at Leeds United for years wouldn't have anyone coach his son or anyone else because he, he didn't trust him or whatever it was. I can't remember what his reason was. Um, and I've seen people do it over here in the States, but I think it just creates that, because it also makes it hard for you, because you'll always open yourself up to attack, how are you treating, you know, to others, or do you have to treat them differently to others, are you harder on yours, and not as so much on the, you know, it's it's a weird dynamic, and for that kid as well, all they're getting is that football, football, watch over and be a dad, or a mum, and you're in the car ride and I don't know, it's a weird one. I would agree with Tony. I think it makes it very complicated. I think the relationship thing is is a challenge because I think I see in the UK, I don't know what Tony, what you think on this, but I'm seeing coaches giving hugs and kisses with parents. You know, I'm talking academy coaches now. Like I think the culture's changing a lot. I think there's a danger there because if you are too familiar with them, if you have to make that conversation of Unfortunately, you know, we're gonna to have to let your son go. It becomes a lot more harder, doesn't it? Or any conversation that's awkward and they're not getting what they want. Um, but I see a lot of coaches now, they're going for Starbucks with parents, they're having I, I'm not against having a good relationship with people, but I think how do you keep it professional? Because they're wanting more and more of your time now. Um, I don't know if you've had those challenges at Doncaster or not. But certainly, some of the things that I'm seeing a lot, anyway, in terms of familiarity, you know.
4: Yeah, I mean, we have had one or two coaches um, for different reasons. They've relied on parents for for lifts, for example, where they might have uh, they might not have been able to drive. Um, and you know, I, I do see one or two people getting too close you know we have become a bit more touchy-feely as a a society I know that there's some real some real man hugs that get thrown out (laughs) there but I don't mind doing it with another coach but I certainly wouldn't do it with with a parent um so yeah I agree with you on that
1: Nick was that a hand up you wanted to add something in there was it
4: yeah
3: sorry cheers mate it was just, um, yeah, you know, just again that 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 overfilling familiarity is does can creep in quite quickly, and I think that's why when we talk a lot about expectations, boundaries have to be put in as well. And you know, even if it's stuff as simple as, please, you, you know, although we've got access to our coaches via group WhatsApps or or via email or or if they've got their their, their number through the WhatsApp group or whatever it is, that our coaches are not contactable whenever whenever you think of something because it, it can creep in that. Coaches are getting texts at 10, 11 o'clock at night and almost feel um, obliged to to, to to answer it or to, to sort of enact upon it or whatever it might be. And, and I have to say to them parents, sometimes we've had these conversations only only last season, was that how would you feel if your work was texting you at half past 10 at night? I'm not sure you'd you'd be too happy about it. But it's about putting those expectations in and, and sorry, those boundaries in nice and early to say that if if you have got something that's, that's that's an emergency, then then you can let us know. If if it's if it's a query or anything, so that it has to be done at training, it has to be done during coaching hours. It can be face to face. It's much easier. It's better to do it that way. Um, so that's what we try to do. But again, like like um, Tony said, it's it's that fine balance between creating the right environment for the parents and the players but not, not at the cost of that over-familiarity that you've got These sticky situations come the end of the season or come IDP time when when you, these honest conversations might need to be had. You know, maybe people that are less confident or less less happy to take part in those honest conversations will find it even harder if they've, if they've sort of got that familiarity or overfamiliarity familiarity with, with parents.
2: But, um, yes, yeah, a great point. Yeah, and I think even just having the con- – I mean, it's weird because I'm probably sound like a contradict here, but, I mean, I would probably – I still get those text messages, and I probably do, not always, but probably most time, probably still reply because it's, it's a weird – I guess it's a weird dynamic. The expectation would be that you – like in Morocco, for example, you would get a lot of communication between the hours of 10 and 1 o'clock in the morning. And I remember having this conversation with, um, with Osh because a couple of people were complaining, a couple of the Brits, and uh, and one in particular. And But the difference is that over there, culturally, like obviously they'll sleep at certain times, but a lot of their business is done in the evening. Like a hell of a lot of business. We would have meetings, which was ridiculous, but the president would call random meetings and all staff would be in. And from nine o'clock at night until 2 o'clock in the morning, you'd be in with the president and that would be seen as normal. You know, so it's a weird one. And like over here, I would say, yeah, like it's, tw- I know football's 24-7 anyway, but they, they constantly want you. You know, the, the VP who I, I deal with at Spawn, he would probably won't mind me saying it on this, is he'll call me at 11 o'clock at night and we'll end up discussing what's going on that day or whatever. For some people that may be a bit, uh, it's a weird one, it's a weird one. But I think, I think going back to the parents, um, I think having a 24-hour buffer, because I I often see a lot of coaches get sort of ambushed in the car park because of something that may have gone on in that game or at the practice and they want that instant response. And I think just being certainly to the younger coaches, maybe a bit more inexperienced, just having that 24-hour rule where it gives you buffer to... Get your house in order, you know, because if something has gone wrong, letting them know I'm, so, you know, I'm jetting off to another game. I'm sorry, I'll get back to you, I promise. Or I just need to connect in with Tony or whoever. But you, what you're doing is you 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 biding yourself time versus responding to everything or reacting to everything, and that's when you can get caught out. I mean, I'd often say to people, yeah, 24 hours, um, and just allows things to settle and allows you to get your paperwork or whatever you need to do to cover your ass.
1: I think it's such a valid point as well, John. I think also that that buffer gives you time to reflect and, re, you know, respond with a considered response rather than just something that's, you know, immediate and might not be wholly accurate or a, a true reflection of what you actually wanted to communicate. So I think it's really important that coaches do take that time, just you know, just to take a step back and even, like I said, set boundaries and communicate that actually, do you know what? Yeah, parents, you can get in touch, but don't expect an immediate response. And that's, that's what that's what my approach is with most parents, to be honest. Is, yeah, get in touch with me, but, you know, I'll, I'll get back to you when I can. Um, I'll probably see your message, and, I, and I'm quite clear with this. I probably will see your message, but I might not be able to respond straight away for, for X, Y, Z reason. And I think that, 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 again, it's that setting expectations, having that communication, ultimately leading back to that that big word, clarity. Um, and I think that's what everyone needs, you know, in, in all aspects of this of this process. Um, but no, Nick, no, I really appreciate your thoughts and yours, yours as well, Tone, Johnny, let's get you on, man. How you been?
5: Yeah, I've been good. Yes, it's
1: a great topic. Probably what's
5: becoming the the most important topic at the moment, isn't it? seems to be going on everywhere. How do we help and involve parents? That's for sure. Um, Just got a couple of things I'd I'd like to pop in. It's roughly been covered, but I I think the drive home is an important thing that that has to be clear, whether you're at grassroots or at uh, academy level. I think the drive home has to be led by the kid or the player it can't be led by the parent. I think it's a really potentially damaging time. So I think the drive home has to be something that's focused on. And also something that was given to me as advice from someone that that works with parents as their job was that try try and get the idea that the parents are the harbour. They're that calm, safe, consistent, reliable environment. And their job is to help them, help their kids in and out of the harbour. It was just a sort of idea that I was given, and I know it works out quite well for me, and I don't know what you guys think of that.
2: I think it's quite clever. I mean, it's. I think the first thought I had was, how can we do workshops with the parents then? So if we know that they're that consistent voice in that child's life, which they will be, and then that consistent sort of safe space, hopefully, with the great I'd like to think they've always got the greatest they've got the right intentions, even if they might not always be right. They just want the best of their kid, hopefully. Then what can we do to to help them so that they know how to manage that car ride home? You know, do they should be talking about the result? What else can they talk about to to help their son or their daughter? So that's where my brain really went was was giving me ideas of thinking that'll be a topic that I bring up in one of my next meetings um, with them.
1: So no, great, Johnny. One hundred percent. I think Johnny get uh, really just encapsulates everything about this topic and what, what the message I gave to start. How can we move away from the idea of dealing with parents, and how can we go towards the the view of collaborating and as, as Nick put it, working with parents? Because I think that that is that is the key. You know, end the day, look the parents have more access to these players than we'll, we'll ever do, um, we'll ever have, rather. And I think it's important for us to, to tap into that in, in a way that can not only benefit us in the work that we're doing, but benefit the player and the parent as a whole. Tony, see your hand up there. You want to add something in?
4: Yeah, it was just a, it was just a quick one, really, on 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 the journey home. um, this it, it struck me quite a while ago when I used to work in... Uh, in college football, when I was only a part-time coach at Rotherham United, I used to run a full-time uh, college programme. And, and the thing that, that got me, even back then, was how quickly the players parked the result. So, as, as a coach you you're gonna stew on it for a little while you might not have them for another couple of days till you get a training session that you can work on or it might be a couple of weeks before you get another fixture and that's going to kind of stew in your in your brain for a little bit but I think that these days a lot of kids just park the results straight away even as early as the changing room I've been in changing rooms with with young kids where you know we've been beaten quite heavily um the game might have it doesn't really matter whether the game was good or or bad. Um, but you know, in the changing room, they're laughing and joking, and and, and they've really put it behind them, very, very quickly. Uh, and I just wonder, even if the, the car park home is as is as powerful a tool as we think it might be,
1: no, I think it's a great point, Tony. I think, uh, I mean, Tony, t- t- sorry. Um, I think from my own experience working on similar programmes, I think this is where we need to start then start reflecting more on who's the athlete that we're working with. Is it someone who's who's really interested in performance? Is it someone who's really interested in more just the recreational side of things? And I think that, you know, that plays a real key part in this as well. But I think more than anything, we can take a lesson from that and understand that you know, we don't have to be always emotionally attached to the outcome of the, of the game. It could just sometimes be a situation where, quite simply... The result didn't mean anything right right now because maybe they're thinking about other things. It might be another learning opportunity for us. What what are they actually considering as important and and not important to them to them within this moment? Is it the fact that you know they've lost the game? Do they really care? And if they don't, what does that say for the type of coaching that maybe needs to be encountered upon within this environment? So I think it's a really really strong point. I think people should consider: is you know, do we understand the motivations of our players and? Do we check in enough and often enough to understand whether these motivations are still the motivations we initially thought they had and whether they've changed a long time? Uh, you know, and that, that is something that's really important to consider as well, not just from a, a player's perspective, but even the parents. And I think what, one of the other things you also get is looking at, and we haven't really touched on this in this conversation in particular, but it's the role of the parent at different ages and stages. I think, obviously, at a younger stage, you know the parents tend to tend to be involved because they need to be around. But as you know, typically what tends to happen is as as the players get older, you, see, you start to see less involvement in terms of at least being on site, if you like, from the parents. And you know is that is that a reflection of their input across the board? Is that an, is that a reflection of how well they trust you as an as an individual coach now, or how how less in, how even less engaged they might become over time? So I think it's it's really important important to consider. But I think that's a topic for another day um I think Gerald might have lost his connection so and I almost lost mine um but still here um still talking still growing still networking with everyone so that's that's great but um yeah you know again I think that's another fascinating conversation this week guys you know for those that you know for the, if you if it's your first time joining us uh, welcome you know really really pleased to have you involved um if this if you if you're if you're repeat, uh listener and you, you know you join these sessions weekly then please keep continuing continuing joining us every week myself and Gerard are here discussing different topics um usually down to questions which have been put to myself or Gerard where we kind of unpack our thoughts and get some of your views and get some of your experiences involved as well so I think on that note guys if you have got any questions have got any topics you'd like to hear discussed on the show please do let us know um, we are here every week um and if you don't catch it live don't worry you can re- you can listen back to the conversation that's taken place um either directly here on twitter um or you can catch it on the coaches network podcast so we have these conversations every Sunday evening and they will be released um usually the following wednesday um so yeah feel free to check those out and if you haven't already checked the podcast out there is some fascinating guests across the, across the show which i'm sure many Um, can attest to and there's some fascinating insights if you're serious about you know growing becoming a better coach becoming a better individual and learning how to collaborate better with not just your athletes but the people in the wider networks around that then definitely check that out as well Gerard it's good to have you back man I almost had a nightmare myself but um, yeah maybe just give a give a brief insight around where they can get in touch with you your platform and, and we'll go from there yeah, I just wanted to summarise in terms of just thanking everyone for the
2: contributions because I think it's great. I mean, what we're doing is we're sharing some great ideas and great experiences just to improve what we do and how we coach. And the more people that can listen to this hopefully can be inspired in that. And that's what I'd want to leave with is, yeah, I mentioned at the start, inform, inspire and involve. And how can we find ways to inform, inspire and involve our parents? And it might be, we didn't, you know, talk about it today and it could be a topic for next time perhaps, is different ways to involve them, you know, because there's so many different ways that we can tap into their expertise. Um, we've talked about some tonight, but there might be other ways, you know, different roles that we can give them within the club where we're engaging with them. And then how can we inspire them as well um, in, in everything that we do? And I think that's a good challenge for us all to have. So it's not just always informing and we're giving them information, but finding other ways to engage with them. So, yeah, really enjoyed tonight. And uh, I encourage anyone to check out what we're doing every week, certainly the podcast and obviously the Twitter space, which is every Sunday. Uh, you Learn Blue, which is a digital coach education platform. I've added more and more content on there every week. We've just added some new content uh, this week around analysis, uh, assist location, probably one that's really relevant to this topic is match day and whether we see it as an event or an experience and how we communicate and how that influences our behavior. So yeah, really tons of resources for everyone. Really looking forward to next Sunday. And uh, I love this conversation. So thank you for everyone who's, who's stayed and uh, contributed.
1: Most definitely, most definitely. And guys, just to get, again, a final reminder, um, you can find a, you can find you can get in touch with us, drop us a DM, let us know your thoughts. If you've got any questions, feel free to get in touch. Check out the me platform. You can download that on both um Apple, iOS devices and Android devices. So definitely check that out. Cultures Network Podcast, you can find that on all major platforms. Uh I'll shortly put up a tweet on, on my page so you can get direct access to that too. Again, some fascinating guests. Uh, fascinating insights, great topics there. You know, we, we've discussed both in these spaces and you know around different aspects of the conversations that we're having as well. Uh, definitely do get in touch. And uh, just on a final note, guys, um, I've had a lot of interest recently. A lot of people get in touch uh, about a CPD webinar um, coming up. Myself and Gerald are in discussions about a few different things, but I'll be running a CPD webinar, a free CPD webinar for people to get in touch with just a bit of insight around the practice spectrum, some of the benefits of alternative feedback methods. So if you're interested, feel free to get in touch with me on that as well um, and keep an eye on the page because I'll be putting some updates on that in the next few days. Um, but guys, again, thank you very much for your participation. Thanks for everyone that's been involved uh, listening to myself and Joe I Ramble on um, every single Sunday, in fact. Um, we really appreciate you. We want to continue networking, continue growing, connecting connect with one another uh, and just getting better at doing this thing that we call coaching. Um, so guys, have a great evening, great Sunday evening, great weekend